You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer, Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Nice. <laughs> that is a perfect, perfect way to start I had beans for lunch. I bet you did. <laughs> At least you didn't have, what is that smelly stuff that you usually cook? What do you mean usually cook? Anchovies. Your weird Polish food. Anch- <laughs> I don't cook anchovies. You like, always make like smelly Polish food. I don't like come into the office and like shove anchovies in the microwave and like put it on like high. Okay. I'm not a monster, Holly. <laughs> well, it depends on who you ask. Seriously though, what is what was the last thing that you cooked in my kitchen that made it smell so bad? I don't remember. To be fair, I do eat a lot of smelly shit, which is why I smell so bad all the time. (laughs) She doesn't. Anyways, everyone, this is Holly Randall. That is Eva Gala. And welcome to our very first episode of our bonus monthly recap. And it's just a little summarization of all of the cool interviews I did in the past month. For those of you who maybe don't have time to listen to Every single episode, they are, you know, an hour or so long. We try to pick up the best highlights, play them for you, and kind of talk about it and talk about what we learned and um, what transpired on Holly Randall Unfiltered this past month. So for January, we have actually quite a few episodes. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to get to all of them. One of them, the last episode for January just came out yesterday, and that was Brittany Amber. January was one of those weeks where we actually had five episodes. And um, you keep saying, like, we, it's a month. <laughs> I didn't say week. Yeah, you did. did I? <laughs> Holly <sighs> thinks months are weeks, weeks are months. <laughs> to be fair, life has been going by very quickly, and we have no idea what's going on, what time it is, where we are, let alone who we are. So this is true. I have lost all track of time. Yeah. Also, we're still recovering from the AVN show. That's true. So, and not that. even like we like alcohol or anything, as we know, Holly does not drink. It's just like our brains being pumped with casino air and like smoke air and constant social interaction. Not to mention the fact that we were on the 11th floor and there was the AVN penthouse, like a couple doors down, and there was a party every single night. Drunk people in the hallway. I mean, there was no getting to bed before 4 a.m. It was insane. No, no, no. People were, like, screaming outside your door. Just, like... It was terrible. Yeah. It was but bad. what was great is that we took a lot of power naps, so that was really nice. Mm-hmm. When you're old, you have to power nap. You do have to power nap. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear all of our exploits from Las Vegas, we're actually going to talk about them on our podcast that is available only to our Patreon members, My LA Porn Life. So go ahead and scoot on over to patreon.com slash Unfiltered and join for $5 a month and listen yeah. to us babble about really cool everyday porn yeah, I'm, I'm I'm featured on that one, so it's going to be funnier than usual. So. Yes, yeah. yes. Eva is hilarious. You won't just have to be tormented she by is listening to Holly. the jelly to my peanut butter. <laughs> I was going to say jelly to my penis. <laughs> I was going to be like, I don't get it, but I kind of like it. <laughs> okay, let's start off with our first guest, the beautiful... Daisy Taylor, I love who Daisy. Eva was so excited about. I love her. I just adore her. And I have to say that actually the reason that I even got Daisy on my radar was my handyman, who is a big podcast listener, asked me if I would interview her. And I was like, uh, yeah, I don't really know exactly who she is. Oh my God, and then I did. Eva was like, oh my God, she's so great. So I looked her up and she is a trans performer. She's actually the second trans performer ever to be signed to a big contract. She's been signed by Trans Angels. So that's a huge milestone. And I've only had 
two trans performers on my podcast in the past and I feel like I need more diversity. So I was like, this is a really good opportunity. And uh, she was lovely. Yeah, she's really cool. We're best friends now. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) She's a beautiful, beautiful girl and well-spoken. She was so sweet. She was really grateful to come on the show, which I really loved. She actually came up to me at AVN afterwards. She got a little bit tearful and was like, thank you so much for having me on your show. You know, I listened back to it and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about the things that are important to me. And I guess she got really great feedback. So it was really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to play um, a clip where Daisy actually talks about, you know, obviously the fight for trans rights is still a huge hot button topic in today's political climate. And we have a long way to go. And so Daisy naturally comes up against all kinds of stigma, all kinds of roadblocks. And rather than getting angry, she talks about the importance of communicating with people and helping people see trans people as people in like a more human light. So let me, let me play this clip real quick you know, I really commend you on being so open and talking about it and educating people, you know, like myself who, who don't really understand, who Mm. don't understand what it's mean. It's like to be trans, you know, so many, and it's only something that we've sort of recently talking about and being open about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very new. And I think that because there is now hyper visibility, Mm -hmm. people think that, I mean, especially with the political climate, everything is very, good guy or bad guy. And so anyone that is more on the liberal side mm-hmm. is a snowflake. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of like these, these things that I'm saying make sense when you break them down like that. Mm-hmm. But we are so used to now being on who's good and who's bad that mm-hmm. we just bark at each other. Yeah. And a lot of people, what they need to understand is you have to meet them where they're at. Yeah. You have to, you have to, instead of, just expecting for someone to understand. You have to make them understand in their own way of understanding. Right. Because people view you through the lens of their own experiences. Exactly. And so I can't, I can't bark at people and expect them to know that what I'm like, what, know how I feel one or to even understand the language because there is, there is a very much evolved and much more intelligent language of, I mean, trans identities, but even romantic relationships and, mm-hmm. and in porn and, mm-hmm. and all these different things. It's about, it's just about learning the language and learning how to compassionately communicate that. Mm-hmm. Cause same thing goes like not everyone immediately is a bad person. Whether I agree with you politically or not, I'm going to talk to you respectfully mm-hmm. and try to get you to understand what I'm saying. If you're being an asshole and you just think that you're right because you just think that you're right and you just, you know, whatever and you're hateful, that's whatever. Fine. Fuck you. But, yeah. but you, I think we have to calm down on people being misunderstanding of things that they don't know. So there's a couple of things in there that Daisy touches about, which I think is really important. First of all, she discusses the polarization of politics in our country today and how people are, you know, on the left or they're on the right and how there's a real lack of the desire to communicate in a way that, you know, takes in the other person's viewpoints and background and that we just, as she says, bark at each other, which is completely true. So there's just a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, not necessarily a lot of intelligent discourse on this and on trans performer rights. She also talks about um, the evolved language of trans people, which I know has been confusing to some people. Some people don't know what the right terminology is. And so, you know, she talks about how, she understands that that's also something necessary to educate people on and not maybe automatically get angry that someone doesn't know the right terminology to use, but, you know, to, to educate people in an understanding manner. And then she also talks about sexual identity versus gender identity. And this is something that I guess I didn't really think about too much being a privileged cisgender woman is that sexual identity and gender identity are two entirely different things. So trans people are struggling with, gender identity. You know, they feel that they were born into the wrong body, that they're the wrong gender, but that's totally separate from sexual identity. So a trans person, like a female to male trans person might like women or might like men. And then the opposite is also true. There's no 
one sexual identity that goes with one gender identity. It can be either or. And so I yeah, thought that well, was I a think good point. Well, I think that's just a huge misconception. In exactly. General, you know, like, and I also just believe nobody's just one thing. Like, I think there's right. a huge, you know, gray area in general, but I think that is a huge misconception. People just automatically assume something about you and what you like, you know, and it's, it's just not like that. You know, you can like all sorts of people, you know, and all sorts of gender identities. And there isn't just a few gender identities. There's like a bunch of gender identities. <laughs> like, right. The, like it, the list goes on and on and on and on. So yeah, it's completely different. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to have someone like Daisy come on and discuss these things in a very open manner, yeah. you know, in a non-judgmental manner. Yeah. She's really lovely. Yeah. And I also think like one thing she was talking about is um earlier on in that, in that clip is like about how well, she's a lot gentler, you know, and more mm-hmm. understanding and compassionate and clearly not a combative person, right? you know? So she, I think she's talking about like, there's no, there's no point in, in screaming at people or, you know, arguing with certain people because yeah, you know, everyone's, you know, only at a certain level of evolution, you know, emotionally, right. mentally, you know, and, um, and sometimes there's kind of no point like you in, in trying to make somebody understand your, your way of, of living and stuff because they're not going to quite get it. So instead of like trying to talk to them on that level, she's talking about like, you know, trying to steer the conversation in a way that would make more sense to them, you know, right. so not completely giving up on it, but like taking a different route. Meeting them where they're at, like she said. Yeah, I think that that also made me consider the privilege that, well, first of all, I think that you and I have of living in a very cosmopolitan city with all different kinds of people that's, you know, very, fairly open about. Yeah, a big city, yeah. A big, relatively liberal place to to live for the most part. Right. Los Angeles, huge. New York City, huge. Right. San Francisco, like a lot of people don't don't have that. Right. I mean, imagine growing up in a really, really small town in a very red state where everyone around you believes that Mm -hmm. trans people are just confused and that they're sick and twisted and they need mental help. And Mm -hmm. then coming across someone like Daisy, who's trying to explain to you, you know, her position and Mm -hmm. why she feels the way she does. You have a lot of like barriers to get over before you can get to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's also like, you know, I mean, you're going to have to do what you can in that, in that situation, but yeah, I guess fighting doesn't help. (laughs) (laughs) Just Holly's dog. Hacking hacking up like a a lung over there. She probably swallowed another tennis ball. Did you swallow a tennis ball? Let's hope not. Oh no. Yeah, so I just I really appreciated that. Also, I ha- if you guys want to learn more about um, trans identities and the fight for trans rights, I would suggest you also go back and listen to my episode with Buck Angel, which oh, was Angel's a awesome. while ago. But he's a female to male transgender porn star, and he's very very passionate mm-hmm. about. Um, you know, trans rights and he's just, um, he's just lovely. And he's also very, he's also like a very understanding person. And he, and he talks about his frustration sometimes with some people in the trans community who automatically assume that cisgender people should be educated and should understand them and should accept them. And he talks about the importance of education. He even says there's a moment, there's a clip, and you can go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash unfiltered. I pulled that clip and posted it. And he talks about how transphobic people, he's like, it's not their fault. They just don't know any better. And this is why he believes education is so important. So I just think that... Right, education versus just like... Screaming anger. at people. Yeah. But I think that takes... That's a really big... It takes a really big person to be in a marginalized community like that and to, and to you know, be discriminated against mm-hmm. in such a way. And to like have an open forgiving heart well, about yeah. it. I think that's one of the that's one of the main things that like everybody obviously like everybody has a different perspective on it, especially if you're the person that's dealing with the hatred and <clears throat> and the pushback, you know, because there's one perspective where it's like, yeah, be gentle and compassionate and uh, you know, um don't take it personally because these people don't know any better and, you know, and educate them. And then there's another stance, which is like, why is it, why is it again, my burden to have to educate them? You know, Mm -hmm. why is it my burden to have to like, 
you know, take that energy and like, why is it my responsibility? You know, like uh, it's, it's kind of like, there's a little bit of like an angrier side, which is like, it's your responsibility to educate yourself. Like we'll be like here to, to help you, but like you have to want it kind of a thing, you know, and you have to seek it out. Like it's not our place to, you know, it's like, why do we have to like take up that energy, you know? Yeah. And that's understandable too. That's what I see the most. There's like, those two are like the main kind of like ways of, you know, I don't know, combating the situation. Yeah. And which is understandable because in the face of such vitriol that Mm -hmm. these people encounter, I mean, you know, not, not just the social stigma and the verbal abuse that they receive, but also the physical abuse. I mean, you know, the, the murders, I mean, trans people get murdered all the time. It's It's a fucking horrible thing. So hideous. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's like, I, so there's a huge part of the community that's like enough is enough. Like why, why, like I'm allowed to be mad. Like we, we have the space now to be angry and we're going to be angry. Like we don't have to just cower down and be like, Oh, how do I, how do I make you feel comfortable? So you understand, you know, so there's also that, you know, so I see. And also why is it your business? Like what I consider my gender identity, you know? So like, I, like that's my, I can, I can see both. Totally. Both of those sides because totally. I'm I'm not a combative person and I like I I'm more like how do I educate this person how do I bring them to my level right. how can I make them understand how can we understand each other and like how could this be filled with love you know but I also completely a hundred percent understand you know being fucking mad you know yeah. and being angry and you know like finally having the space to be mad and not always just have to like how to make everybody else feel better when like right. you're the person that's being freaking persecuted all the time you know like right. that's that's totally a, so like yeah. It's, it's an, it's, we can go on for we can. forever, <laughs> but we have other episodes to get yes. to, but anyways, to wrap up Daisy Taylor, you're lovely. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being such a kind, loving, gentle soul. And, uh, also too coming up in the month of February, I have a bunch of mini interviews from ABN and I got the opportunity to interview two other trans performers, which was lovely. Natalie Mars She's and beautiful. Aubrey Kate, who are both yeah. like huge stars. Yeah. And so I'm very That's much great. looking forward to that. And also, you guys you know, should be like too. Also, you know, like a little tiny thing. I just, I do, I do feel that, um, you know, it is like the ball has been set in motion. I feel mm-hmm. like it is becoming more mainstream to, um, you know, even like, I, like so many people that I know are talking about trans uh, performers and like so excited about them and wanting mm-hmm. me to like, you, you know, like, oh, can you get a picture with, like, Daisy mm-hmm. Taylor? Can you, you know, like, and it, I think it's great because I yeah. feel like a few years ago you didn't hear that so much. You no. Know? So just becoming more mainstream is, is just, like, exactly the kind of stuff like, right. I've been waiting to see, you know? Which is honestly why, um, what kind of made me realize that, you know, it is moving into that mainstream fear is that my sphere, also- is that my handyman came up to me mm-hmm. and, you know, just straight up and I don't know anything about his sexual preferences or or whatever. And was like, I am a huge fan of this transgender porn star. Can you interview her? You know, and it wasn't like a hush hush by the way. Because people used to feel that way. And the the fact that people aren't behaving that way as much and are just more open about talking about what they love because they should be, because there is nothing wrong with anything that we're talking about, you know, like it's just fantastic. Like I just, I love it. Yeah. Especially too. being a pansexual woman <laughs> myself. It's like exactly the kind of sh- stuff I want to be seeing. Yeah. It's lovely. So I'm happy. Also, Daisy Taylor, thanks for being my best friend. <laughs> I'll call you. It's fine. Eva also got some really great photos of her. I did. At the um, AVN show. Where can I, you go see those, Eva? I'm working on them as we speak. I know, but like, do you Just have them up w- on your social media? Oh, um, actually, yeah. I put I put a few up on um, my photography page on Instagram, which is um, at Evagala Photography, I think. Yes. Or it could be Evagala Photo. Oh, no, it's photography. it's photography. Why do I know that and you don't? I don't. Are you sure it's photography? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, it's at Evagala Photography and then at, at Not a Porn Star One, the number one, on Twitter, I think I, I posted a really nice one of Daisy Taylor. I think I have it pinned right now on there. You should cool. go look at that one because she looks incredible. Yeah. I can't even look at it because I feel like my eyeballs are going to fall out of my skull. She's so beautiful. She looks so beautiful. In that so picture. beautiful. Anyways, moving on. Daisy Taylor, we could talk about you forever. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to another beautiful human being, Michael Vegas. 
I was very excited well, to have him on. I he just followed me today on Instagram. Were you happy? Oh yeah, I got very excited. So I've been trying to get Michael Vegas on for a while, and he kept getting booked on the days that yeah. we had like, an episode scheduled. So I got a little frustrated. I won't lie. Even though I tell everybody, I'm like, look, if you get a paid booking, like you can totally cancel on me because I understand you can't turn down paid work. But yeah. like when it happened like two or three times, I was like, mm. but then I, he did come on and I'm so happy mm-hmm. because. And he said amazing things. So it's fine. Amazing things. This is one of my favorite episodes of late because I really love it when somebody comes on and challenges my own like internal biases that I kind of didn't even really realize were there. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed it because it was just another wonderful example of the gift that I have with this podcast where I get to sit down and talk to people of, you know, various sexual um, experiences and opinions and outlooks. And I get to, you know, have my own eyes opened. So Michael is, uh, he works on the straight side of the adult industry, though he did reveal to me that he was doing gay porn for a while mm-hmm. while he was kind of trying to seek out exactly what his sexual preferences were. So Michael's whole thing is that he loves being pegged, right? He loves being fucked in the ass. It's like his favorite thing. Mm-hmm. So when he first discovered his love of anal play, he kind of naturally assumed like, oh, I must be gay. Let me have sex with a bunch of dudes because this must be what I like because I like getting fucked in the ass, right? That's everybody's kind of default assumption. So he actually did some gay porn, had sex with, you know, gay guys and just found it wasn't really like floating his boat. He was like, I don't really, I'm not really enjoying this. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up doing a pegging scene. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, okay, Eureka, this is what Yeah, this feels good. This is what I love because he... (laughs) likes women. Mm-hmm. He has relationships with women, mm-hmm. but he likes being fucked in the ass. So yeah. it's like the perfect combination, a woman yeah. with a strap on mm-hmm. fucking you in the ass in mm-hmm. case you don't know what pegging is mm-hmm. people out there. So, um, so that was a really wonderful thing for him to realize. And then, you know, he is <laughs> so great. So he started a blog on Tumblr back before they banned all the porn. <laughs> you want to know what the name of his blog was? What? It's so good. What? The Gape Gatsby, oh my. <laughs> which I just love so much. And so he started basically blogging about his exploits with pegging. Mm-hmm. and B- Blogging about his butthole? His butthole, yeah. Mm-hmm. The love of his butthole, mm-hmm. how much he liked, you know, having his butthole stretched. And if you've ever seen... Stretched? Ever, oh, well, gaping. <gasps> Dude, have you how seen... How big has his butthole gotten? Oh my God, girl. I'm going to show you some pictures that are going to blow oh up... Well, blow up your mind. <laughs> I'm up. going to show you some pictures. They blow up your mind. So he has these like the girls butthole. put on these insanely huge strap-ons. Like I don't understand how these things How can this one's butthole fit. get so big? I, you know, it's a muscle. That's true. And um, hold on. This is, oh, is that a double? Is that a double anal? Holy shit. So I'm at on his website, pegim.com. That's his website. Yeah, Hold, oh. look at look at that thing. Look at this. Look at that <gasps> one. Oh my god! Every like porn star in the industry has pegged him. It's so huge. So these strap ones are like, and he likes getting fisted. I mean, it's he could take Holly, it. Holly, why didn't you tell me about this website? Because I didn't. I mean, I knew about it, but I guess I don't. Look at that. Look at that. Oh my goodness! I mean, that what is a the huge fuck? Huge cock. Oh. Literally the biggest dildos that you could possibly what? get. Do you have a you have a login for this website? I don't, <laughs> but I'm sure I could get one. Hey, Michael, send us a login. Look at that. It's insane. So, anyways, so my point sorry, we're getting very distracted by sorry. these huge, <laughs> Just, huge dicks. These are the hugest attachments I've ever seen in my They're life. They're really big. I didn't actually know they made them that big. Wow. So he started blogging about mm-hmm. his exploits and what he found was the amount of response from other like straight men who were so grateful that there was somewhere that they could go where they could see this kind of content mm-hmm. and have somebody talk about it because I guess he also talked about like cleaning out your butthole and all kinds of right, other things that useful need to be tips. Done. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what he realizes is that there's a huge audience of men who love 
being pegged, but are too ashamed to talk about it because we assume that oh, can we just can when we you just, get like, fucked, murder all these stigmas and let's all just like have fun and like gape our buttholes and just girl, that's go. what we're doing. That's what we're doing with this podcast. Oh, it, we're changing honestly, the world. All I want to do, like moving forward in my future, is just I only want to date. Like, I only want to date people who are, like, queer and, like, want me to touch their butthole. That's it. You can find those people. Come to and me. they are looking for you, Come too. To me. They are also oh, looking this for isn't, you. Oh, this is an exclusive Patreon content, so other people will hear this. Everybody, yes. SO, I'm sending out a call here. Send me your buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> Send me your liberal, radical, Gaping feminist buttholes. Queer buttholes. Yeah. <laughs> queer buttholes that literally does sound like my dream that though. sounds like a great website name myqueerbutthole.com <laughs> myqueerbutthole.com don't you think it's cute it's catchy if it's not bought we should buy it let's buy it now so basically he realized that he kind of I think he felt like he had this duty to come forward and sorry I just said duty sorry sorry I know it's so childish Close. I wish we had sound effects <laughs> But, you know, we do start doing that if we, you know, your mind starts saying things like that when you're, you I are hate thinking. sound effects. I hate those no. sound drops. Oh, I know so you stupid. do. That's why I just want to like secretly put them in before that goes up. Like you wouldn't know. And I would just save it on you're your You're going to have to learn how to use my editing software Fine. first. Fine. I do it. So, anyway, so duty. It became, <laughs> it became his mission to basically put a face to yeah. the butthole and come out and say, Hey everybody, I'm Michael Vegas. I'm a very popular porn star and I like being pegged in the butt and I'm going to produce all this content of being pegged and I'm going to be open about it and therefore I'm going to try to help dispel the stigma and the shame around Ugh, it. And he said it's been the stuff that you've ever said. I love it's, this. It's it's so great. It's Ugh. it's he said it's been so rewarding. It's so, so fucking great. All of that is fantastic. And then he talked about, and this is where, you know, when I talked about like my own internal biases being challenged mm-hmm. and, and I'll admit, I don't, I like being submissive. So I don't like the idea of anally penetrating my man. I don't like the idea of pegging a guy personally. Obviously I have no problem with people doing it, but it's not something that I want to engage in personally because in my mind, it feels like I thought you were like emasculating the guy, you know, that right. automatically Every- he was the sissy, that kind of thing. It was just something that I just had this automatic assumption, uh-huh. but Michael challenges that Good. assumption. And uh, let's hear what he has to say about that. The other thing that, I, that is going on with this website, pegum.com, uh, is that I'm trying to show women. It's like, you don't have to not be the bottom either. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, uh, you can, you can fuck a guy, you can fuck your boyfriend, husband, sexual partner in the butt with a strap on and he can still be telling you what to do. Mm. Right. So he can still hold that power dynamic. He still holds the power dynamic. And it's like, just because I like to get fucked in the butt doesn't mean that I don't want to tell you what to do at all other times. And like being in control of you because I'm your daddy. Take that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like, like if you're, if you're a woman, that's dumb. You want to get fucked in the vagina. Mm -hmm. You don't just stop being a dom all of a sudden. Yeah, that's true. You need to get fucked in the vagina. That's you have true. a hole that needs pleasing. Like that's how you get it done. Yeah. So same thing. It's like, guys, you don't have to, you don't have to become submissive all of a sudden. You don't have to become a sissy. You don't have to be shamed about it. So when you can start seeing pegging in that light and you can talk about it more and then you can find places like pegamtonight.com, go there right now and sign up. <laughs> um, and then you can start building this community, like I said, that I did around people that you can talk about it with. When you can talk about it comfortably, you will, you know, the people in your life that would have shamed you around it, you will find that you see less of because you're not putting them yourselves around these people that like don't understand you and don't want to cultivate the things that you cherish mm-hmm. in your life. And so like, it's great. Like it's, it's scary because you're like, Oh man, I'm going to like, I'm going to lose all my friends and these people ostracize me from my community. It's like, you mean you don't, you want to really be part of this community that is going to make you feel bad for who you want to be in your life? Yeah. What if you built another community or joined or found a community that existed where you, they love you that way? Mm-hmm. You don't have to feel the shame. You don't have to like hide and you can like. And you can provide that place for other people. You can provide, provide the place for other people. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting with you talking about how you can be 
pegged and not lose that, that power dynamic. Cause I'll admit from like my own, you know, naive standpoint, I, I would have assumed the same thing. Oh, well, if you are fucking a man with a strap on, then automatically he's a submissive and you're the dominant. Mm-hmm. And I very much like to be the submissive in bed. I don't like to really ever play the dominant with right. a man. So I never would have considered that, but now it's so clear to me that obviously that doesn't have to be the case. Cause you're absolutely right with the female Dom. She can demand that a man fuck her a certain way and she, it doesn't take away from her power. But right. for some reason I never considered that with a man. It's because there hasn't been porn there to teach us that yet. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this is why it's doing so well. Yeah. It's because it's a product that didn't exist yet. Mm. And like, like it'll, it'll come. People will catch up. Yeah. But the, the level of openness to the level of extremeness and then the power dynamic, I think, has created really something special. Yeah. It's been going so well. Wasn't that lovely? Ugh. It was my favorite thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I just, I just adore it. What was that it's, uh, it's my boyfriend with the Chewbacca mask. He thinks he's funny. Why is that happening right now? Because <laughs> he's bored and he wants attention. Oh. So... <laughs> Favorite thing you've ever heard in your life. Favorite thing I've ever Besides heard. Besides when I said you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you made the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Everything you just said was my favorite thing in the whole world. I I I think all oh, men should be pegged. <laughs> I know, but some people, you know, it's not their thing. But just the stigma surrounding mm-hmm. it, just like really, it's time for that to be dismantled. Mm-hmm. Especially just on a scientific level, like you have a prostate, it fucking feels good. Like it feels good for you. Like it was this beautiful thing that was created inside your bum hole. Like oh my god, I'm so jealous. You know, everyone should be, you know, fucked that way. <laughs> Like it, you know, and just like the whole submissive thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it, I completely agree. Yeah. Like it, yeah, it's just, it's just an area. It's just a hole that can be pleasured, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. Like yeah. there's no, I don't, all that other stuff comes from, you know, like mo- mostly, yeah, like homophobia, you know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of the root of it, mm-hmm. whether or not that's like why anybody would think that that is mm-hmm. kind of the root, you know, yeah. people being like, you know, like, Oh, you know, Oh, he talks. Yeah. So, and he so talks I'm not going to do that. And, and because, he talks about that and because it's gay, it's, uh, you know, Bad. sissy or, yeah. you know, submissive or whatever, all this stupid bullshit, mm-hmm. which also goes into like, you know, being a sissy being, you know, Oh, you're being fe- feminine, which is also lower, you know, so right. it's all this stuff. It's like homophobic. It's, it's sexist, you know, it's like, it's, it's anti so many things, anti-femininity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's anti so many things that it's like, I hate, I hate where it comes from, you know, yeah. like, so the more and more you dismantle those kinds of narratives, the more and more it dismantles like all those narratives, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and also just lets people like, yeah, be themselves and be pleasured in the ways that they want to be pleasured. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm babbling now, but no, I'm all about it. And and one other thing I took away from this interview was also, you know, a, a lot of times that we talk on my show about, cause I have a lot of women on and, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to fight against the stigma against women in the adult industry because they tend to face much more of a burden in that sense than men do, you know, because women are always being viewed as the victims and weak and whatnot. And it made me realize that men also have these social stigmas that they come up against as well. You know, it just, it made me kind of see the other side, you know, sometimes, especially with the Me Too movement, you can get wrapped up so much in like, oh, oh, what women have to deal with and what women have to go through. And it's like, actually, like, there's a lot of these horrible boundaries that have been set up for men as well. It's, just, and men it's, all, have this these, cli- it's all this cliche yeah. shit, right? That everybody gets kind of like lumped into. And it mm-hmm. just happens, especially in porn. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, guys always have to be like dominant and, you know, kind of like aggressive and, you know, yeah, whatever. And if, if they want to be any other way, it's, yeah. you know, it's sissy or submissive or whatever, you know, it's like, well, no, it's just a different way of being, you know, in a way that a lot of people actually are, you know, right. or even just having sensual sex. And, yeah. And, and Michael's a great example, too, because he is a really strong performer, you know, and he's somebody that I've always looked at as like a masculine in, you know, emulating like the encapsulating the masculine, a very masculine kind of um, aura. So the fact that, you know, he's willing mm-hmm. to be open about what he enjoys um, I think is, is really yeah. great. And I think it's also just kind of, 
introducing a little bit more androgyny mm-hmm. into which I know is your favorite thing. I love androgyny as well. <laughs> but into into the mainstream, you know. Yeah. Kind of reminding people that's like you know, we all have masculine and feminine elements, yes. you know, a, a different a different balance of those of those things mm-hmm. within us, you know? Yeah, I'm all I'm all about this. We shouldn't live in these cliches. No. Well, I mean, the world's changing. Okay. Next guest was Emma Hicks. Okay. She is somebody I've worked with quite a few times. I've always really, really liked her. And she went through an ordeal last year where she had her boundaries like pretty severely violated on set. You know the story, right? I don't think so. The leprechaun, Jimmy oh, Lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, I remember this. Essentially, she was on set and she was doing a scene with Emma Starletto and the director was playing a non-sex extra. He was not in the scene. He was not a performer. And right. he was supposed to pretend to lick her butthole from behind because basically the scene was is that, again, it was St. Patrick's Day thing. The girls were the treasure at the end of the rainbow and he was gifting them to the male performer and he was the leprechaun. So he was like on his knees with shoes on his knees. I mean, this terrible accent, ridiculous outfit. And so he told both Emmas that he would, you know, pretend to lick their butthole from behind because from the angle of the camera, you couldn't see, but he wouldn't actually do it. Right. And so they were like, okay, we're fine with that. Well, he did do it. And how do you even accidentally lick someone's butthole? Oh, he didn't accidentally. Did he like grab and like go in? Yeah. 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 You know, Emma was very upset and she called him out on it. And I think she even recorded it. He wasn't apologetic at all. He kind of laughed. He was like, it's not a big deal. Like, what are you so mad about? Blah, blah, blah. And she felt really frustrated because she felt that not only were her boundaries violated, like you can't just go around licking people's buttholes. Like that's not okay. And also he, she didn't feel heard. You know, he didn't respect the fact that she was upset. Like he kind of laughed it off. And so that, I think that last part is what upset her the most. So then she went to Twitter and she called him out on it. And of course, an avalanche of girls came in saying they had experienced similar things with him on set. So it kind of blew up into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so Emma and I talked about that. This is, this is what she said. And you know what? A lot of girls did come out and say stories that happened with him and also different directors. Mm -hmm. So that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. No, I agree. I think that your story along with a lot of other girls who've come forward has, has really kind of created this movement. And I think this has all been fueled by the Me Too movement as well, where we as producers and directors have come to recognize like how important boundaries and consent are. I've, I feel like I've always been respectful of that. I mean, I hope so. I've never had anybody say anything to me or to anybody else as far as I know about that, but we know it's important to consider how you guys feel and it's important to recognize you as a professional, you know, actress or actor. And yes, you're having sex you know, on camera, but that doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries and that like you shouldn't be heard and that you shouldn't be able to establish those boundaries and that they shouldn't be respected. That's true. And I feel like that's something that people never really thought about that much before. Directors, especially, especially when the industry was more of a male dominated industry. There's a lot more women working behind the scenes now, which I think has helped. But I think that it's really brought to light something that that needed to come to light exactly that's that's what i think too um because even now and and again like i said i've never had a problem on set before but even now i'm so much more conscious about checking with girls to make sure that they're okay with the scene that we're doing and having the performers speak to each other about their boundaries that's a big thing too is after the this whole jimmy lifestyles thing happened Mm -hmm. um i noticed that a lot of companies are doing um is that what they're called? The consent forms or the, the boundary forms? You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. Um, like a checklist of what you're okay with and what you're not yeah, okay with. Yeah, your no list. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's really good. So I feel like after that, a lot of companies are taking this seriously. Which yeah. Is a good thing. No, I think it was. And, you know, it's always got to be some kind of horribly upsetting situation that is going to bring about changes yeah. like this. Changes never generally happen unless there's some big blowout yeah. and there's some big social movement that involves a lot of people pointing out the fact that like this is not okay yeah and we need to do something about this yeah so as 
kind of shitty as your experience was, I feel like it's definitely been a building block to a better a better work environment. I think so too. Yeah, it was shitty at the time when I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm never going to get over this. Like I'm never going to get hired again. It was really scary actually. Yeah. And then I actually started to get hired more because people were like, we respect that you spoke out. And, right. You know, and yeah, I did notice a change on set. People yeah. Were more professional. And like the unprofessional people are starting to get no- noticed and kicked yeah. out super fast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the power of social media. I mean, there's a lot of negative things about social media. Um, I think, you know, we can all think about what those are, but there are also positive things, you know, where people can come together and try to make things better for everybody. That's true. So I know I, I preface that with, this is what Emma had to say about this, though that's mostly me talking. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry about that. Surprise, surprise. This is what I think. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess the reason why I was so passionate about responding to Emma's situation there was because I've been in this industry a long time, as a lot of people know, and I've seen some drastic changes. And this whole movement with the way social media has given performers power and given performers a voice and made the rest of us recognize, those of us behind the camera, how important it is to to really check in with them and, and make sure that their boundaries are being respected and that we do talk about consent. And like I said in that clip, it was something that we'd never really thought about before. And I always thought that I ran an ethical set just because I care about the girls and I was never ever shooting anything super hardcore. And I feel that as a woman, I have a sense of if you're not comfortable with something. Mm -hmm. But after all of these events have happened, you know, including obviously Emma's, it made me realize that that's not enough. It's, it's important to have open communication. It's important to actually talk to them and talk to everything, talk about everything beforehand, before Mm -hmm. we start the scene. So everyone's on the same page and everything can be a much smoother, nicer experience for everyone. Yeah, for sure. And wow, that's loud. Um, yeah. And another thing, you know, just in general, um, that I feel like has come up more now is, um, with consent in general is like. You know, looking at looking at, let's say, especially sex workers and people in the sex industry as people that like, you know, that don't have boundaries, you know, like Mm -hmm. people that like, oh, you know, people just assume, you know, that they can just have access to these to these people's bodies because it's it's their job. It's like, no, they're choosing to do this within a certain structure, you know, and it's their choice. So just because somebody does something doesn't mean you're allowed to do whatever you want to them. And I think I think there's a really weird disconnect with, yeah. with these people that, that, you know, decide to randomly lick your butthole, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're like, what made you think you're allowed to do that? Just because this is a set, because you're not a contracted worker, mm-hmm. you know, to, to do that. You're not, you haven't signed up for the sex, you know, you weren't hired to, to do anything sexual mm-hmm. here. So it makes you think you can do that. You yeah. Know? It's not a free for all. It's, it's bizarre. It's like, and, and nobody has access to anyone's, body you know without consent and i think that's the narrative that like is being pushed now and i think it's really great that it's being pushed in within the adult industry because that's one of the places where it gets lost where people just think yeah i can do whatever i want to these people like just grab people you know right like no you can't grab anybody it doesn't matter who they are like without their consent like or you know right and also within the porn construct that you mentioned uh you know girls have yes and no lists too yeah so girls won't even work with every single performer that there is. They have people they won't work with. So mm-hmm. even within that, they get to choose who in that construct they get to work with. So, you know, there's a lot of control that girls have over who they yeah. work with. And so therefore you don't get to just put yourself in that position and be like, I can grab and grope you and do whatever I that's want to. Like, I feel like that's also just a, stupid man thing usually i mean i know it can manifest into other people as well but Mm -hmm. i just feel like it's it seems to be heavily dominant with men you know thinking just the same as like oh you're wearing a short skirt so you're asking for it Mm -hmm. it's like no i'm wearing your short skirt because it looks fucking cute Mm -hmm. get your fucking hands off me (laughs) like you know and it goes it goes the other way too and this is not sort of off topic but i know this is a weird like thing to reference but you know, women also too sometimes think that just because they're women and guys are guys and guys always want sex that they can just grow up and grab men too, however yeah, they want. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not. It's not just women. right. I, I just think it's heavily. So dominated. specifically, I'm yeah. thinking of I was watching a clip. Somebody put it up uh, where the Jonas Brothers were singing, and some like female fan kept trying to grab 
Joe Jonas. I don't know. I don't know who they are. One of the Jonas brothers, like, kept trying to like grab his dick, you know? Yeah. And he was just like, it's weird. What the fuck? And it was Nobody like, what makes you grabbing anybody or no. touching anyone's anything unless that person has consented to it. That's right. Like, yeah. It's very simple. Like yeah. it doesn't matter Across what the board. It doesn't matter what their profession is. Yeah, any, any of those things. It's a very simple rule. If someone has not allowed you to do something or said that I want you to do this, or there's not a consensual, some sort of consensual agreement, you know, yeah. that's very obvious you shouldn't be touching anybody, you know? I agree. Okay. Last, last interview. Probably my favorite one. Um, just a really unique one. And I really, really love this woman. And I've got incredible feedback. So I had Amy Taylor, who is a high-end escort on my show. And this was incredible for so many reasons. First of all, I'd never had an escort on before. I've had girls who have worked at brothels and that kind of thing. But this is also another interesting thing that's changing in the adult industry is that there was always this like separation between being a porn star and being a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And so often back in the day, if you were escorting on the side, then you know, other porn stars look down on you and they would be like, oh, I, or I won't work with her because she does escorting, blah, 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 blah. Like, like separating these two kinds of sex work and being like, this one's okay, this one's not okay. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen a big ch- shift in that where people are saying, look, all sex work is okay as long as it's done safely and yeah. responsibly and that kind of thing. So there's a big yeah, shifting, the keys. Yeah. yeah, change in perspective towards, um, you know, escorts. Um, just different kinds of sex work. Yeah, different it's kinds of sex work. One isn't, good like you said exactly exactly so so amy taylor came on and she you know was brave enough to put her face to her profession a lot of escorts uh, won't reveal who they are for fear of repercussions which is totally understandable mm-hmm. and she is somebody who's been in her line of work for an incredibly long time sorry I don't, when i say incredibly long time it makes it sound like she's old she's not she's my age which means she's very very young so, <laughs> but I think like somewhere between 10 and 20 years. And she is an incredibly bright, incredibly well-spoken, incredibly eloquent woman. She, Multifaceted. Isn't she also like a pilot? Yeah, she's like a, a scientist. Or yeah, something? she has, like amazing. I'm like in love with her. She has um, a commercial pilot's license. Yeah. She's like a Mensa member. She's yeah. incredibly well-educated. She comes from, her father is a professor, I think. So mm-hmm. she comes from this kind of nuclear family, mom and dad. And she comes from a background that most people would think like an escort wouldn't come from, you know, because there's that assumption that everybody comes from a broken home and, you know, so they got into this ridiculous. line of work because they had no other options. Yeah, in but life. that's also people that just look down on, on sex work and think everything's right. just a result of, of, of an unfortunate situation, right. you know? Um, so that's what I really loved about her because she here's this woman who literally had every opportunity to be anything else that she wanted in life. And she actively with sound mind chose to become an escort and she's been doing it for a long time and she very much enjoys her job and she has no intention of stopping. And so she was just really great at articulating the intricacies of her work, why she made these choices. And it was just a really, really enjoyable interview. So I'm going to play this clip here where she actually talks about how as an escort, somebody in her position where she spends a lot of her time with her clients is literally like hanging out, going skiing, going golfing, talking, going to dinner. There's just a lot. Companionship. Yeah, she's a professional companion is is another name for what she does. And so a lot of it is just basically being an entertaining companion to somebody, which is um which Kinda is like super what interesting. I do for you. Yeah, basically you are my <laughs> but paid companion. But I don't get the sex. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I know, sad for you. So but uh, <laughs> Yeah, so um sometimes I get to loof your back in the shower. Yes. You'll never forget that moment. <laughs> Everyone's going to wonder what that's about. It's fine. They'll it's find consensual. Out. It's consensual. They'll find out. Well, I don't know. What was it? I, I just know. yelled at you from the shower. <laughs> Loof on my back. There was dried latex on my lips. It's, it's a long it's story. Fine. We're not going to get into it's, it right it doesn't now. doesn't matter. <laughs> so in this clip, Amy talks about how actually her personality is what really hooked her clients. And she knew that that was her strength. And, you know, if you're going to spend a lot of time with somebody, it's got to be somebody that you enjoy speaking with and um amy is definitely that kind of girl so let's listen to uh what she had to say about that i never wanted to meet people for just one hour because uh 
as you've noticed, I'm chatty and I don't, I didn't think I could get comfortable that quickly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I started out with a multi hour minimum. Mm-hmm. I also knew because when I first got an escorting, I was trying to work for an agency and nobody would hire me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hired, you know, Playboy centerfolds and the kind of girls you should. Right. I was cute, but I wasn't that cute. Right. But an agency owner told me, you're smart, you're young, you don't need an agency, you can do this yourself. Mm-hmm. But I knew that in LA, I was like a six. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wasn't going to get them on looks because right. I live in this town, but yeah. I could get them on personality. Right. So if, I, if they could spend a few hours with me, they're going to like me. Right. And by golly, they did. Yeah. Because I knew I was smart and I was friendly and mm-hmm. I like people, I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by everybody. Mm-hmm. So if I could get a longer time, then I could bond with them and I could, you know, win-win. I could keep the customer happier and build myself some kind of a relationship. Because again, I was not going to get them on beauty, not mm-hmm. in not in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it worked. So the evenings turned into trips. Uh, one of my first clients was like, let's go helicopter skiing. You're a skier. And so we'd go to Canada for a week on end and being able to ski helps. Yeah. PSA girls, if you want to make a lot of money as a companion, get good at golf. <laughs> If you could be good at golf and be a hot woman who's oh not too God. old, oh, you can millions. <laughs> yeah, because that's all these guys would love somebody who was stellar at golf. Yeah, because women usually are not. Right, certainly not when they're. Well, young. it's a man's sport. Yeah, and the generally. only women that are good at it are eighty. You go. Oh, oh, you go. <laughs> it's me. Well, we're talking about like just her personality. Well, she's talking about how like she couldn't make it just on looks alone, and she mm-hmm. knew it was her personality that was going to get mm-hmm. get things going but i think in general regardless of what you look like i think having a good personality and being intelligent and being able to be a good companion is right. going to skyrocket you in almost anything you're doing right. but especially a profession like that yeah you know so i also um she talked too about how she's had pretty much exclusively one client i think for the past three years she said she's been seeing almost exclusively one person that's almost like a relationship so i kind of assume that you know they often she often has like repeat business you know Mm -hmm. because there's probably there's only a few guys who can afford her rates right and you know she i think is somebody that people you know one would get really attached to and want to spend a lot of time with and she's someone that you can take you know to a business dinner and golfing and you know what I mean? Like right. she, she can, she can kind of, she can be anywhere right? and she can be in any kind of company and she can, she can hold her own, right. which is really amazing. And I also, I also have to commend her on just the amount of like patience she must have. Cause imagine that your job is just to make somebody else happy and to right. be like, kind of entertaining for them. I'm sure that she doesn't really get to be herself for the but most feel, part. But I feel like she is. I think, she is, I think but what she, she's talking about is like, because she even, it was a, a slight moment like in, within that clip where she talks about how she's just so intrigued by people. Yes. And I, and I'm, I'm only like, this is just me like projecting, but like, I'm very intrigued by people. Um, I find lots of people interesting I can always find something interesting about somebody, right. you know, and then kind of touch upon it. And also right. I'm pretty multifaceted. I like a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So many people are like blown away by, by the random things that they didn't know about me. I even had a girl the other day, like the, the girl I'm moving above a friend of mine who was like, are you, you're a gamer. I was like, yeah, I literally play like borderlands like two times, if like two hours a day in my mm-hmm. underwear. And I, I love it. Like, I'm like, I love first person shooter games. Like, you know, and like, you know, yes, I will like talk to teenage boys on Reddit about like ridiculous things, like where to find the best gun and like a certain level. Like, and most mm-hmm. people are like, what are you talking about? But like, you know, I, you know, like I, but I can, relate to people mm-hmm. on these different levels because I like all these different things. And I feel like just even hearing a bit of that, she is that kind of person. Mm-hmm. So fine, maybe she can't be every single part of herself, but mm-hmm. I feel like she brings a part of herself probably to every situation. And that's probably what makes her so good. Yeah. You know, because there is a, a genuine part yeah. of, of herself that she's yeah. like releasing. Just like, you know, how like certain people like – you can't be a hundred percent yourself with, but you can right. find a, you can find something that like you can be genuine about. Like right. you're not just totally bullshitting every time you're not with someone you could, yeah. you could 
like you can't be a hundred percent yourself with, you know, like you can't be a hundred percent yourself with me, right. you know, but like, but not for any bad reason. And I can't a hundred percent be myself with you, right? but not for any bad reason. But like the parts of ourselves that we are with each other are genuine, mm-hmm. you know, mostly it's us roasting each other, <laughs> but I like that, you know, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like everybody kind of has that. It's interesting that you bring that up because she actually talks about, and that's a different part of the interview, how one person can't really be one thing, everything to everyone and how we all, we, she talks about being monogamish. Mm -hmm. So I'll just play that really quickly. I've seen so much infidelity that, uh, obviously now I just basically believe that monogamy is rubbish and we're not meant to, Mm. uh, I might have a skewed perspective because I'm only seeing the world that I see. Right. Does that, it doesn't make me hate men. It just makes me think that the sort of, the world that is is a lot different from the world we aspire to, yeah. or at least mainstream aspires yeah. to. Then maybe people will be happier if they restructured their idea of what like a, lo- a relationship was. That maybe mm-hmm. monogamy is not the end all and be all, and perhaps one should consider being monogamish. I think more people should have met people like your parents, yeah, to see that they could have a really healthy family and not be monogamous yeah. because most of my women friends from college and elsewhere would not stay with a man if they caught him cheating. Right. I don't care who it's with. Yeah. And would not have married him if he had told them, I'm going to marry you and I'm going to love you, but I'm probably going to have something here and there once mm-hmm. in a while or who knows. Right. They want the story of monogamy, at mm-hmm. least the promise of it, even if that is not kept. Right. And so if that's the fantasy that has to be sold to, to get the wedding and the kids and we need people, mm-hmm. then we're, you know, we're selling a fantasy to, to women and men are having to lie and it's sort of a weird world we're building. Yeah. I don't know if it's a necessary lie. Clearly it's unnecessary because look at your family. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure why that's the minority when in behavior wise that might actually be more normal. Yeah. Maybe. And if you think about how many marriages dissolve because of cheating. And it just, it's just something that comes up constantly over and over again. So can we fix cheating or can we fix what our idea of maybe a relationship is? You know what I mean? Like maybe we consider looking at things from a different angle. I don't know. She talks about how we all have our favorite person, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the person that maybe you're monogamish with, but one person can't be everything to you. And so, you know, her being an escort, a lot of these guys are married, but a lot of times the wife, you know, isn't having sex with them or Or whatever, doesn't want to. Yeah. There's just, you know, and so she comes in and she just provides a certain need that they're lacking. But she says that most of these guys really do love their wives. And, um, like one of them, she said that she even went on a trip with them somewhere and France or something like that. And he was like, man, you know, kind of like, no offense to you, but like, I really wish my wife was here with me, you know, but she won't come with me. She won't leave the home and the kids and all that kind of stuff. So, so I thought that was a really interesting perspective on monogamy because I know that you are kind of interested in polyamory. I'm interested and I've never, I mean, I, I can't even find one person who wants to date me. But I mean, I'm open. I, I, I think conceptually, I really like it. Yeah. I've never personally engaged in it, so I can't really talk from ex- like speak from experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, conceptually, I really, I really like it because I, I think it allows people to, to be able to have different connections that they wouldn't normally allow mm-hmm. themselves to have because they feel like they need to like live within a certain construct that, mm-hmm. that we have been learned. I mean, we have been taught. You know, mm-hmm. it is a learned thing. Um, you know, if we all grew up in like, you know, villages and like, you know, where we're mono- like, you know, polyamory was a thing and we all like, not like in a incestual way, <laughs> that sounds weird, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, or, you know, if we all grew up in that way, then, then we would think that was okay, you know? And so, and then we would just be like free love and whatever. Yeah. And even I'm- at AVN, you know, just being around, I don't know if I could name names, but you know, being around certain performers who, yeah. who are polyamorous. And all yeah. Carly polyamorous. Lane, she talks about, she's, she was on my podcast. She talks about it. Yeah. You know, episode how, like, 36, by the way, people, if you want to <laughs> yeah, go back she's, and listen and she's to great, it. And she's so happy. And you know, there's all these different relationships going on. And, but that girl is a lot of love to give. She does have a lot of love. <laughs> like, it's love it's a lot. Like, I, I mean, I can barely deal with myself, let alone a person. <laughs> um, but you know, 
yeah, whatever, I'm babbling. But conceptually, it's like, I think it's a really beautiful thing because you, you get to have different things mm-hmm. that certain people can't provide you. And instead mm-hmm. of being jealous about them, you're, you understand, you're like, that's just not something that I am or that I want, that I can provide you yeah. or that you can provide me, you know? And it's okay if we seek it out somewhere else. Right. You know, except the only thing that, that sucks about these situations is like somebody's in the dark about it. You know, right. it doesn't, that part isn't great for a lot of people. And you know, that that's a big moral dilemma that, you know, yeah. is another entire dif- discussion. Entirely different discussion. <laughs> but, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the whole tribal situation because you guys should go back and listen to episode 31. Tribal episode? What are you well, no, about? but episode 31 with Christopher Ryan, who wrote Sex at Dawn, he talks about monogamy and how it grew up alongside agriculture and back in our hunter-gatherer days. Oh, it was talks an about egal- how it was polyamorous. Yeah. Egalitarian yeah, yeah. society, we shared everything, including lovers. Exactly. And, you know, the village raised the child together. Yeah. So, so exactly. it, it was really like- interesting study it wasn't of just monogamy it was monogamy. never just monogamy right <laughs> yeah so this is not natural to us yeah and then amy and i go further on to kind of discuss you know monogamy is it accessible is mm-hmm. it and and it's interesting discussion for me to have because i'm in a monogamous relationship i've only ever been in monogamous relationships i have no desire to have a polyamorous relationship um and um, yet my parents were swingers. So right. I come from a background where, you know, there was shared open love and my parents are still together. And so, but you know, cheating is obviously like a huge problem that is just plagues people yeah. constantly in jealousy and all I that kind of it, stuff. I see it in so many places. Oh, it's, it's a so huge that's the thing. thing. It's like if, if people, you know, if people could be more honest with themselves and try to just try to create, just like Michael was actually saying in his thing, like find, find your community, find your people, right. find the lifestyles that work for you. It's not that easy for a lot of people. It's easy. Obviously it's easier to just lie. Right. <laughs> it's easier to just like keep things the way they are. Especially some people know that they would lose somebody if they wanted right. to be that person and they're not yeah. willing to do that. So it's like, it's, it's kind of a dark place to be, you know, yeah. like as much as we want to throw those people under the bus sometimes and be like, you're a terrible person. It's like, well, a lot of people aren't living their truths because of, because of, you know, what we've been taught is okay and not okay. Correct. You know, whereas like if, yeah, if we could all just be honest about who we are and like all be accepting and like loving and open, you mm-hmm. know, then like more of us could, yeah, be yeah, exactly because we want to be. I feel be like that pegged or be that like have multiple partners. You know, I feel like at this point we we might want to consider recognizing the fact that we're never going to fix cheating, and that that's never going to go away. So maybe we need to consider that the way that we view relationships and the construct of monogamy is perhaps somewhat flawed, and that right, there's other is. alternatives. And again, and this it doesn't is, have to be just like. Uh, polyamorous right. swingers or like it could just be back in that gray area like right. we, you know like everybody like gets to decide like, what their own relationship exactly is. like it could be like i'm mostly monogamous but like there's this one butts thing that like i like that you know he doesn't like to do to me and he's okay with me going to so-and-so to do it or, right. or whatever you know it could be like the littlest thing yeah like a little butt thing or it could be like you know i you don't like cuddling because you're weird about cuddling and like this person likes to cuddle with me and like I'm going to go to a cuddle party. Finger paint my boobs and you're not into that. So I'm going to go do that with that person. Whatever it is, you know, like something weird, but like if we all were just a little bit more open, like. It's it. Yeah. Again, it was an interesting discussion for me to have because again, I'm in a monogamous relationship. I don't plan on changing it. I'm pretty sure my boyfriend doesn't want to change it. So, you know, coming from somebody who is monogamous and who is, you know, kind of built the relationship around that. It was an interesting idea for me to ponder. So. That's where I'm at. You're just pondering. I'm just pondering. She's just over there I'm still pondering. just pondering. <laughs> still I'm just thinking. Pondering about buttholes and submission. There and- was so much pondering to be had this month in January. So many great interviews. There's a lot of stuff going on in that blonde head of hers. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Yet it's also strangely empty. Yeah, just a vast wasteland filled yeah. with, you know, <laughs> dust balls. What am I saying? Dust balls? What am I trying to say? Tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds. My, my brain's not doing much better. <laughs> so yeah um great great little recap i feel like we had here we covered a lot of ground too much yeah (laughs) too much um so and i really like to hear ourselves talk so it's a problem well i mean apparently other people like to hear us talk as well because there's a lot of people who are members of my patreon one of them even asked for my it was my first autograph i ever gave (gasps) at the avn awards so Eva and I have, I mentioned this earlier, have a Patreon exclusive podcast called My LA Porn Life. And 
um, it's only available to Patreon members. Five dollars, five dollars a month. Cough it up, listen Dude, to us. You be spend hilarious. way more than that at Starbucks. We know that for a fact. Pretend I'm a latte. <laughs> Drink me. Drink me. Frothy goodness. Anyway, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, be like I'm not going to subscribe to that. <laughs> but you guys who do subscribe to my show, um, or to my podcast, or to wait. What is it called? Those of you who do subscribe, (laughs) those of you who do subscribe to my Patreon, I just want to give you a quick shout out, say how much I appreciate you. You guys were helped fund this trip to Vegas that we just took because that was expensive. So if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't have been able to get all the amazing content that I got. And um, more of you should jump on the bandwagon because I have a lot more plans for this show, but I can't do it without money because this world runs on capitalism. So that's true. There you go. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will be back for another recap at the end of February, where we will have all of the interviews from AVN to talk about. That's true. And there were some really cool ones. So you're going to have to do it by yourself. You're a stupid butthead. Or maybe I can still do it before I leave. I think that we can do it before you go. I think so. Because honestly, most of the episodes in February are literally from the AVN show. Okay, cool. So. Sick. All right, guys. And thank you. Thank you, Holly, for allowing me to be on this podcast with you. (laughs) Taking me out of my cage. You're so welcome. That's okay. I'm going to put you right back in there where you belong. (laughs) I'm just going to crawl over there right now. Okay. uh, Bye. Bye, guys.